hello and welcome to part two of the For Fox 8 podcast review slash preview of the 2019-2020 season. Right, Rob, it's the, uh, I would say now famous For Fox 8 podcast rundown of all the players and give them a score out of 10, argue between each other and then come out with the overall For Fox 8 rating time. You would say famous only because you have sat through it now five times. I would say to anybody that doesn't listen to the Fox Aid podcast, or to anybody that does, it's probably not famous. But it is our um, probably most organised way of going through the squad, uh, having a brief discussion about how well they've performed this season, and then trying, and mostly succeeding, to agree on a rating out of 10. Right, so while we're doing this, make sure you're giving everyone a rating at home. So wherever you listen to this, in the car, in the kitchen, in the bath, wherever, give a rating and then when we say the player's name and hopefully it matches up and then you can argue and you can email in and you can disagree, etc. But strangely, Rob, we're going to start with number one. And number one, once again, is Cashbus Michael. And I am going to give Cashbus Michael a rating of 8 out of 10 because... I think he's had a good season. We've got a good defensive record. And even though he annoys at times with his distribution because he tries to make that killer pass or to pick a man out, sometimes it works. The assist for for Vardy he's had this season, a prime example. But um, I think overall, if you just look at the state of goalkeeping in the Premier League, uh, Schmeichel is right up there and I wouldn't change him for anyone else, really, he's he is eight out of ten is is a is a good rating for your goalkeeper. I think um, he's been ten out of ten at some points. He's been slightly less than eight. So yeah, for me, eight. I have given him a nine because I I think he it, this is really the first season where he's been captain for the majority of it. So there's an additional responsibility there. I know he's always been well. He seems to have always been a senior figure in the in the dressing room anyway and he's very vocal on the pitch anyway but he's he's had the armband for pretty much the whole season and he has kept us in a lot of games yes he's made a couple of mistakes um and a couple of those unfortunately have led to goals but by and large they haven't necessarily affected the outcome of the games whereas the saves that he's made for me have really given us a platform on which to to get results. So I think he is that crucial to us, and I think he's had another very, very, very good season. And I know I keep going on about the Jamie Vardy book because I've read it very recently, but Vardy said that Schmeichel is a very focused, very serious in terms of he takes his his, his performance levels very seriously. And I think that's shown with the consistency that he's been able to demonstrate year upon year upon year to be the number one goalkeeper at a club like Leicester that has now been had a cons- uh, consistent run in the Premier League is a very, very commendable thing to be able to do. And at no point have we questioned it. You know, you look at, play, at, at other clubs that have got multi-million pound goalkeepers, the most expensive goalkeepers in the world, 
and their form has dipped to the point where they've had to go and play their, what the managers have felt that they've had to go and play their second choice goalkeeper. We're very fortunate at our club that we're not in that position uh, and never have been really, I don't think. So I've gone for a nine out of 10. Now we normally don't allow half marks, do we? So we're going to have to, going to have to decide, is it an eight or is it a nine? I'd I'd go with the nine. I'd I'd agree with you. You've you've twisted my arm, and it is a nine because we're not we're not going to do half marks. Don't do half marks here. Um, yeah, I I'd agree with the nine. Now you, now you mentioned it. I think there has been one or two more occasions this season where he has won the points for less than maybe from other seasons. So yeah, nine nine out of ten for for Cashbush Michael. On to player number two, which is James Justin. Um, James Justin. I have given 9 out of 10 because at the start of the season, he probably didn't expect to play as much as he did towards the end of the season, i.e. repetitive games, coming off the bench occasionally, etc., and and working his way into life at Leicester, essentially, first year of the club after moving from Luton. And when he came off the bench on occasion, looked really good and... Since he's been playing regular first-team football in the absence of um, Ricardo Pereira and also playing on the left side as well, he's he's performed at a, at a very steady level, okay? Maybe once or twice being caught out, but that's to be expected on, on such a, a player with um, so little experience in the Premier League. And then when he had to play in the back three, he, he's looked good. He's looked strong and and focused, and determined, which you want every player to be, but that's something that really does stand out for me with with James Justin. And also, um, going forward as well, has looked very dangerous. And I don't think for the slightest that we've seen the best of him at all. And I just think overall, in the first season, I think 9 out of 10. Interesting. I'll, I'll give you my number in a minute. Um, I'll just sort of talk about the reasons why I've selected that number first. I think your nine there is 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 a nine out of ten for James Justin, isn't it? Whereas mine, the rating that I've given him is is a rating based on his performances when compared to the standard of the Premier League. Now that's, that, that's I right. I, my 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 rating is on what probably was expected of him. Uh, yeah. And then also, once he's gotten into the side, for, for, for obviously many reasons, um, the level of performance that that he's shown, because right at the start of the season, he was nowhere near being selected ahead of anyone else. And you'd imagine he would have come off the bench a few times, but he wouldn't have thought he would have played as much as he has. So it is a level, it's a rating for him. But then next season, the, the, the expectations of him will dramatically increase and for him to have a 9 out of 10 next season would be an exceptional season because he'll be judged as a genuine first team player yeah so the number I've given him is based on on how I think he has performed in relation to the Premier League um, and I think he's got a lot of very very good qualities I think he's a good sign very good signing actually and one that will continue to improve I agree wholeheartedly that we've not seen the best of him yet and we've seen some good good indicators that he's going to be um, an excellent first team player for Leicester City I think 
Um, he would have. He, he didn't play in the championship. You've got to remember. He came. He did. Luton got promoted from League One, and and we signed him. So he's already skipped a division. Um, and yeah, he would have expected to have been playing second fiddle to Ricardo, learning a lot from um, the man that got Player of the Season last season, and is a Portuguese international, and who is a huge, huge player for our squad. Um, and then dipping in and out for cup games, like you say, coming off the bench if we wanted to shore up the right hand side and move Ricardo to right midfield and put Justin in at right back, just to, you know to see out the last ten minutes of a game, yeah. But to have to start so many games consecutively in different positions as well, wing back, right side of a back three, right side of a back four, um, I, I'd say is very commendable in terms of his performances. I've, I've given him a seven, but actually, what I'm prepared to do based on your nine for his, um, for, for sort of a rating for him uh, in terms of what he's been able to produce this season versus what we maybe expected uh, was a nine. Mine was a seven. I'm happy to meet in the middle at an eight. I think we should. Um, I've even changed it already to an eight because I thought you were going to... I know, I know you, Rob. I know you were going to pick a seven there. So I've, 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 I will beat you in the middle. And we'll, and we'll put down an eight then. I've changed it already for, for uh, James Justin. And also, I think we need to remember we've got uh, quite a few players to get through here. Number three, Ben Chilwell. I've given Ben Chilwell a rating of eight out of ten. I think he's been very good in parts. I think he's been sloppy at times. But also, I think he's had really poor there was one or two really poor performances weren't there where he just lost all confidence and the crowd got on his back and it 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 just didn't work at all and that's a strange that's strange to happen really because he he's he is a very good player England international England first choice left back and he has many qualities shown probably in that 9-0 win at Southampton, which we're going to go back to, uh, to their best effect, where he was he was ridiculous. It was, it was excellence, but the whole team were. But that level of performance you could not expect all the way through the season, but it dropped off dramatically at times. And I think 8 is about right, because when he was good, he was very good. When he was poor, he was very poor. So he was 9s at points, he was 6s at points. But I think overall... I think about an 8, 8 out of 10 for a player who more than likely, I'd say, will not be at Leicester at the start of next season. I think 8 out of 10 is probably about right. Yeah, I've also gone for an 8 and for all of the reasons that you stated there. I don't think he's been as consistent this season as he was last season. But at times he's looked better and improved and at times he's looked a bit more wobbly but I think a lot of the time that's mirrored the 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 approach of the squad and the mentality of the squad so I don't think that the the, the blame wholly lies at his door for that and I don't think he I think he was unfairly isolated at times um and picked on at times so yeah more than happy to give him an eight and and pleased that he's established himself as the first choice left back uh we will get to who might and might not be at the club later on but he is a player who I would very much like to see at the club next season. Uh, number four is uh, Soyuncu, who we've we've mentioned uh, previously, and um, I think really for his his season overall, it's tough to get a ten, but um, it's going to be a nine for Soyuncu. An amazing season, rock solid, 
perfectly balanced alongside Evans. Their style of play is so different where it, it just suits because Evans can just sit back and and, and, and watch Soyuncu get in there with the tackle. Um, and also he's there to recover in case someone goes past Evans or the ball's over the top because he has the speed. He's 24 years old. He, he is quick. And he's just had a, a, a brilliant season, way beyond anyone's expectation, I think. And he is a quality centre-half, who I think I said in the first half, one of the best centre-halves in the Premier League. There's no doubt about it. Um, nine out of ten, and maybe without that red card at the end of the season, you maybe would have been possibly looking at ten, but nine out of ten for me. Yeah, I, I I agree. I've gone for a 9 out of 10 as well. Um, I think if you'd have said at the start of the season with Maguire going, if you'd have said this Soyuncu lad's going to come in, play most of the games, and, and by the end of the season you'll give him a 7 or maybe an 8 out of 10, you'd have gone, yes, thank you. Because we've got no idea what to expect. It could have, it could have been terrible. It could have been disastrous. We hadn't seen enough of him to, to know any other. Um, so I'm very, very delighted um, that he's come through a full Premier League season and he looks like he belongs in the Premier League. So 9 out of 10 for me, no question. Now, there are players in the squad who have maybe not played enough games really to warrant any huge explanation and of, of what score they're going to get. And I presume Wes Morgan would be one of those, number five, Wes Morgan. When he's come into the side at the end of the season, looked good, didn't he? And he's going to be there for at least another year. I think he deserves that extra year because he has proven that even if he's not playing football regularly um, for months on end, he can still come in and do a job. So one more year for Wes. I, I don't think he, he gets a rating, really. He, he's been very good when he's played, but only on a few occasions. Yeah, I, get, I gave him a number just... But I, I agree with that. I gave him a number of 7 out of 10 because it's solid, it's steady. It reflects his, his continued importance as, as a member of the squad, if not necessarily the team, and he's been dependable when called upon. Johnny Evans, number six. A fantastic season. We all said it was it was the thing, wasn't it, when Man United bought uh, Harry Maguire, the, the, the line was that you've bought Leicester's second-best centre-half. He's he's just rock-solid, absolutely rock-solid. Has been helped by Soyuncu, I, I think... I think Evans's performances, you can't mention one without the other, which is normally the case with centre-halves. Um, and But but Evans, as himself, towards the end of the season, along with a lot of players, caught out once or twice, and again, uh, as he sent off late on. But um, overall, just a really, really solid, and I would say, actually, I'd, I'd go I'd go with exceptional because I, I've given him the same mark, given him the same mark as Solinsha, a nine out of ten season for for Johnny Evans, a player who, at the moment, he is probably along with Vardy and Schmeichel the first team uh, first name on the team sheet. He absolutely is. Yeah, he's one of those centre backs that, yes, he is supported usually uh, and, and assisted by a younger, more mobile centre back. Um, to get him out of trouble in certain situations. But I think his positioning, his reading of the game, his understanding of the game is so strong that he's very rarely caught out, even in his 30s, even when he's not been the quickest defender around in the first place. I think he's adjusted well to having the ball at his feet more 
um, you know, you talk about his defensive qualities, and I don't think we need to go into detail with those because they're they're fantastic. But he, he looks comfortable on the ball. It's rare that he gets the ball and you think, "Oh my goodness me, don't give it him." So, and I agree also that the the centre back partnership is a key part of the success that we have had defensively and a key part of Soyuncu's success. So I have mirrored Soyuncu's mark and mirrored your mark and given him a 9 out of 10. Number 7, Damari Gray. Just just frustrating, isn't it, with, with Gray? All the skill in the world. And on occasion, and more than one occasion really, that he's shown it this season. But he's been given starts. He's underperformed, he's been out the side, he's come off the bench, he's looked good, he's changed games, he's scored goals, he's been given a chance, he's then not taken it. But he's also done that, and in my opinion, in the style of a player who's probably not going to make it at Leicester. It's all very well having the odd poor, poor, poor performance, but when he is under par, when, when he's, when he's um, playing at a, a level below what we expect, it is poor. It is poor. There's no end product. Whether it's going to click with him, God knows. Whether he's going to score the amount of goal. I mean, no, he can finish. Look at the goal he scored uh, uh, towards the end of the season. You know, a nice finish. But he's 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 just, and I've said it before, and I think you agree, and I think many people would as well, that I don't think it's going to work for him at Leicester. And if he does move on, then, then there we go. So with Gray, it's going to be 6 out of 10 because... He should have kicked on. He should have grasped the opportunities more often. And it hasn't worked. We are exactly where we were at the start of the season with Damari Gray. And we are exactly where we were at the start of the previous season with Damari Gray and the season before. It's just not working out. And I think it's probably time to go. Yeah, there's been no progression, has there? There's there's still been those flashes of brilliance of individual ability that you look at and go yes he is a player but it just happens too rarely even though I think he's been one of the 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 very few um, highlights to come out of since the restart he has been the go-to man for for Brendan Rodgers from the bench in in mainly in absence of of many other impact players on the bench such as the uh, the sort of limited quality of our squad in the in the back end of the season but you know, he, he got himself a couple of assists, he got himself a goal, and you thought, you know what? That's what that's what you can offer this squad. But too often it just doesn't happen. So six out of ten and wouldn't be bothered if you want to get in a marquee winger and give him the number seven next season and say see you later to Damari Gray. You talk of Damari Gray and then you look at someone like Yuri Tillemans, number eight. Um now you spent a lot of money on Yuri Tillemans. Okay, and you're going to expect a very high level of performance, which we've seen on plenty of occasions this season. But when Yuri Tillemans is off his game, it's still at a decent level. I think some fans maybe are just a bit, not overcritical, I think maybe they just want more. They they know how good a player he is. And there is an obvious problem with his fitness or... Or, or something going on. Maybe he's been carrying an injury that he just doesn't seem to be able to play for 90 minutes and he will get taken off. He has been, I think, maybe just below a level of where we thought Yuri Tillemans was because he was such a, an exceptional loan signing. And 
in parts this season, he has been a, a, a fabulous, fabulous player. And towards the end of the season, in the uh, since the restarts, uh, some of the passes and, and, and the way we controlled at, at times games, it's there. It's all there. I'm not going to give him a 9 out of 10 because it's, the consistency wasn't quite there. Um, I think an 8 out of 10 for me because he is a good player. There's more in the locker, i.e. a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 season. Um but also, I don't think it's been disappointing enough to be a 7 or 6 because I still think, and I've heard plenty of times some fans go, oh, I don't, Tillemans was off today. And I'm thinking, actually, he had a, he had a really good game. He had a, a decent game. Just because it was maybe overshadowed by other events or other players on the field, he still actually performed to a high level. So I think 8 out of, eight out of 10 for me. Yeah, we've seen um, a very, very high level of performance when he was on loan with us, haven't we? And... There are times this season where he's not necessarily achieved or reached those peaks. Yet he is technically one of the best central midfielders we've ever had at the club. He's he's forty million pound midfielder. Probably, if he continues this level of performance, will continue to become a more valuable in terms of the money associated with a potential transfer. Um, he plays for what is a very strong international side and gets picked and played pretty regularly and he is one of the best technicians in the squad yes there have been times where he hasn't necessarily shone as much as he did um it's still a sort of period of transition for him into the Premier League you've got to say it's a very physical league and sometimes I think the physicality is where it looks like he is not quite at the races sometimes but another full season in the Premier League under his belt I expect him to show even more next season. And I think those high expectations of him come with what we've seen already and with the price tag. And for that reason, that's why he gets from me as well an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I expect a lot more next season. And it, and it, but a great player anyway. What, what an asset we, we've we've bought there. And, um, and and a player who can play in multi-positions as well. And, and I don't think the setup actually is, is, is perfect for him. I think there are other formations which would... Um, would maybe highlight Yuri Tillemans more. But anyway, we go on to number nine, Jamie Vardy. Golden boot winner, 23 goals. It's just all about the rating because we're not going to talk more about Vardy because we've, we've said everything there is. Um, what have you What have you given him, Rob? Because it's it's a nine or ten, isn't it? What What is it? Do we go ten? Do we go nine? I think... I, okay, I'm going to change my, my, initial, my initial score. I think because he won the Golden Boot and because Leicester finished in their second highest Premier League finish and their fifth highest of all time, I think you will give Jamie Vardy a 10. The it Golden can't, it Boot can't be any lower than a 10. How? What more has a striker got to do than win the Golden Boot to get a 10 out of 10 for a season? There have been games where he's not been involved and that's not necessarily his fault. Jamie Vardy is always going to put in the, the yards for you. He's always going to press. He's always going to harry defenders. Always going to cause problems. If your midfield can't get the ball to him in certain matches because of the way the opposition has set up, because they're not being positive enough, whatever. The guy won the Golden Boot. He's a 10 out of 10, no question. Yep, yeah, all right. <laughs> number number ten, um, James Madison. Now here we go. Um, at times, really good. I'm a big critic. We know that. 
He needs to influence games more. He needs to he needs to receive and this might sound quite simple, but he needs to receive the ball more often and lay the ball off and make things move. Maybe do the simple things more often and better and to with a higher degree of accuracy. Many times he would lose the ball or he would actually misplace a pass of, of, of ten yards rather than making the say the forty ones that he does. Um and so I, I I think there's still a really good player there, and I expect next season to be a big season for him. And I hopefully he's not. Um, although by judging by social media pictures, it's not hampering him in all sorts of ways. Uh, that the hip injury he's got, but um, he's had a good season. And we mentioned in the previous part the link up with Chilwell and with Barnes and and with Tielemans as well as Vardy. It's when it works, it works. But it hasn't worked on more occasions than I would like to give him a nine. I don't think a seven is... I think it's between a seven and an eight. I've gone for an eight. um, Because at times I think he was carrying an injury. But it could have easily been a seven. Because there is a better player than what we've seen. He needs to strengthen up. He needs to do the simple things better, and also score as well. I mean, he scored a fair few times this season, but I just think there is a really, really good footballer there. And at his age and with his experience, we need to see more. So I'm going to go with an eight, and that's a kind eight. Yeah, I've gone for an eight as well. There's a lot on his shoulders, isn't there? He's wearing the number 10 shirt. He is billed as this um, incredibly technically able footballer, the one that has that moment of magic in his locker to make the difference. Uh, And you're right, we haven't seen it quite often enough from him, but he still, he doesn't, to me, he doesn't shy away from the responsibility and and he really enjoys it. And he from interviews that you've seen with him this season on things like Football Focus and and other channels, he seems like a very driven footballer, very driven young man. He's not the sort of flashy, you know, different haircut every week, um, free kick specialist and that's it. He, he, He does genuinely want to impact games to improve himself uh, for the for the good of himself and for the team and he also said that he that he sees himself as a number eight a, a sort of more central box-to-box midfielder so I think there's a lot more to come and he's shown glimpses of it this season and he has affected some games so I'm gonna go eight. Oh, there we go um yeah so eight, eight out of ten but I expect more number 11 is Mark Albright and maybe a player who's Best days are behind him at Leicester. Um, one of only a few now. You look down the list and you see the ones who were there when we won the league, and it's uh, there's not many now. Um, Albrighton, I think uh, he's worthy of his place in the squad. His impact off the bench hasn't been what it's been over recent uh, seasons. I think. Well, I've I've given him a six purely because. If he was to leave, it would be a shame because of what he's done in the past. But I think the side and squad needs to move on. There's better players out there. And I just think if you look back this season, when he's when he's come off the bench, 
or even at times started, the good performances are starting to become quite rare. And I noticed on a number of occasions quite towards the second half, say, of the season that the 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 performances which were ineffectual and, and didn't actually contribute pretty much anything really to the to the to the performance, which sounds really harsh, but this is what I was thinking at the time. And they stacked up. They started to turn into a run of games. And then you never saw him for a while, even though he was involved in the first team squad on the bench, never came off. Um, but he was obviously not injured. And so, yeah, I think it's just, we've got to a level now, which is beyond what more Mark Albrighton can bring to Leicester. So I've gone for a six because when he has played, he's been poorer than previous seasons. Yes, I haven't got anything to add to that. I would, I would totally agree. I think, as you say, we are, we have surpassed what he can offer to us. Do I want him to leave? I'm not. I'm not going to push him out the door. Um, he'd be a decent squad player to have, bit of experience, good character, good professional, uh, but shouldn't be getting near the first team on a regular basis for me going forward. And number 12 is Danny Ward, which I think we can keep it quite short, really, because when he plays, he's been all right when he's played in the Cups and that. Uh, 8 out of 10, really, probably, because he's, when he's played, he's looked good. And we have, and I, I think most people would agree, we have a reserve goalkeeper who we are confident, if needed, in the Premier League, that he can step up and there won't be any major drop-off from not having Cashrush Michael. Yes, agree with everything there. I just put a seven down because that's what I put for Wes Morgan and both of them haven't played very much, but when they have played, they've played as they would expect it to be expected to be played. So I give them a seven, but I, I will happily take your eight. On to, uh, well, number 13 is Islam Slomani, who we're not going to mention. We'll mention him when it comes to probably players leaving the club. Uh, 14, <laughs> Kelechi Ineacho, well, um, Kelechi. Um, it's, there's been a lot of chat recently, in fact, in the last 24 hours about him maybe moving. I think if the right offer comes in, he'll probably go. He has scored 10 goals this season. And he has a very good goal-to-minute ratio. We know he can finish. I just don't think that the way that we play is beneficial for him. I think he needs to be alongside a player. I think he needs to be given those in-the-box opportunities. I don't think he's a player who can drop deep. He has done it to a certain level, but he is he's a, he's a number nine. He's a finisher. He's that guy in the box. That's what he does best. I don't think he can lead the line. So he can't just replace Jamie Vardy, and uh, I think overall this season I've I've given him, I've given him a seven, which might look a bit harsh, but because he has scored the goals, but uh, again it's it's not quite Damari Gray territory, but if he was to go, it wouldn't be the biggest loss because he would obviously then replace him, and I think there are better options out there. Yeah, he's had more of an impact this season than Damari Gray, so he has to score more than a six for me. Uh, I've given him a seven as well. Sometimes he's a nine out of ten. Sometimes he looks like the striker that we all wanted him to be when we signed him 
for quite a lot of money from Manchester City. Uh, and sometimes he's looked like a four or a five, like he doesn't know how to kick a ball and he's always treading on it and he's had zero impact on the game. So I went somewhere down the middle with seven. Now, we're not exactly blessed with strikers at the club, so I would not necessarily want him to leave. If he wants to stay at Leicester, then I would happily keep him at Leicester, but I would also want to bring in another striker, which is a conversation we'll come on to. Um, but I think he does offer some goals, and I think this has probably been, obviously in goals, in terms of goals, but also in terms of looking like a first-team player, been his best season in a Leicester shirt. So if he continues on an upward trajectory, then fine, but 7 out of 10 for this season. Now, this will be an interesting one. Number t- uh, 15, Harvey Barnes. He's been... There's a player there. There is a player, isn't there, in Harvey Barnes. He's He needs to work on his... <laughs> he needs to work on his shooting. It sounds obvious, but he needs to work on his composure in front of goal. One thing that was noted when he played at West Brom and on occasion for Leicester, he's got a bit of the Jamie Vardy about him with his finishing, where he hits the ball very hard. Now, sometimes that might skew off into Rosette, more times than likely with Harvey it does. Occasionally it flies in like it did at Sheffield United. But it's when he got those one-on-one chances where he will hit it straight at the goalkeeper and or he'll scuff the ball and he'll lose confidence. He doesn't have the confidence in front of goal. Once he develops that, then he could turn into a very, very dangerous player. I don't think he's a natural winger. I think he's more... I think he could turn into... More of a say, like a say, how Ronaldo and Gareth Bale moved off the wing to become more central. He could become that sort of player, but he needs to work on his finishing an awful lot more, and his, his maybe his final ball. And also at his age now, he needs to start to not develop, but he needs to start to show more often what a good player he is because he, he he's not the uh, the the youngster who you're expecting to to maybe kick on like a, like we've said over the years with Harvey Barnes you know he's in his he's in his he's approaching his mid 20s essentially so i've given him an 8 out of 10 because on occasion he's been really good but there's still work to do and again he's contributed an awful lot to this season and again a good season um so 8 out of 10 what I love about Harvey Barnes is he's pretty much the only player in the team that is willing to take on a player time and time and time again. And he's got the pace to do so. He is technically not as good as Damari Gray, I would say, as a footballer. But but Barnes is much more determined to beat somebody and he'll take him on. And if he doesn't quite get past him, he'll have another go the next time and another go the next time. And it is that that would cause fullbacks all sorts of problems and has done when when it's worked for him. Uh, he needs a bit more consistency, yes. He needs a bit more culture in, in the final third, yes. I wrote down 8-9, but then when I was looking through the assists chart, the Premier League this season, I saw they've got 8 assists, which I think is a very good return um, for a young lad. In, in his first full, full season in the Premier League. So so I went for, I scribbled out the eight and I went for a nine. But I, I mean, I take your points as well as to why you've put him as an eight. Um, I think he's got a very exciting future. I'm looking forward to seeing him already next season. He's one of them players that when he gets the ball, you sort of rise a couple of inches out of your seat and think, oh, what's going to happen here? Um, and he could really 
do with playing in, you know, if you, if you look at some, a formation like Liverpool's, the 4-3-3, where the two um, the two attackers playing either side of Firmino, obviously Salah and Mane, so they're, they're obviously two of the best attackers in the world, but they almost start wide, but will come in to support, and they're almost playing like three strikers, but a wide striker rather than a an up-and-down winger. So I think if you're looking for a position to suit Barnes, that would probably be it, but... Very good season for him, and I think there's still more to come, which is very exciting. Yeah, he's actually 22. He's going to be 23 in December, so he's maybe a year younger than I thought. I thought he was 23 turning maybe 24 this season. So anyway, um, yeah, but there is more to come, and more to come in terms of our countdown of the players. Uh, Number 16 is Filip Benkovic, who's not really figured, so I think we'll just kind of gloss over, really. Um, Number 17, Iosi Perez. Big money signing, and I would I'd say generally disappointing overall. You look at his goals, eight, three of them away at Southampton in that win. Um, I expected more. I don't think we've played him in his best position, which I think is up top. Um, I think he's a, a genuine striker. I know he could play maybe wide in a in a forward three, a la what you mentioned with Liverpool, and maybe Barnes one side and Perez the other side with. Obviously, we have Jamie Vardy in the middle, but I think he he can score goals. I don't think he's going to turn into a 20-goal-a-season striker, but I did expect more. Um, so when it comes to the ratings, again, every rating is based on maybe the expectation level of each player, a la what we mentioned with James Justin. So with Isi Perez, my expectations were very high. And if you look at the season as a whole, and if you showed us at the start of the season, Leicester are going to finish fifth, they're going to get this amount of points, they're going to score this amount of goals, more goals than we did last season, we're going to concede less, la da da You'd turn around and go, I'll tell you what, I bet Isaac Perez has had a really good season. But overall, I think he's actually been fairly disappointing. There's a better player there, and it might, again, take a season of just bedding in at Leicester and the, the way that we play. I have my doubts, so I'm going to go for a six. Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. I, I, I thought we'd have a more positive chat about Perez, generally. I think he he bring, he, he works hard. He, he tries to put himself about. He had some fantastic play down the right-hand side, especially in the first half of the season with Ricardo. Um, and he is naturally playing out of position, really. Um, I've given him an eight. I can see some of the points that you're making, but I, I think I feel more positively about him and his season than, than perhaps you do. So I'm happy to meet in the middle at a seven. I think six is a bit harsh, to be honest. It, it maybe is a bit harsh, but you mentioned the right-hand side. When you've got Ricardo behind you, and, the, and then the only other person would be Jamie Vardy further forward, you've got arguably the best two players in the side. So the so with him, he needs to really perform because he, he has the two best players on, on kind of his side of the field and, and as the, the central striker. And I think just sometimes he slows the play down and it's not quite clicked. And again, you sign a player for that amount of money and revert back to say what we mentioned with Yuri Tillemans. When, when Yuri Tillemans has been slightly off his game, he's still 
performed to a decent level. He's had one or two poor performances, granted, but he still has had a, a, a very, his baseline is very high. I think Isaac Perez doesn't have that standard baseline. I think when he's been poor, he has been very poor. And I expected a lot more. That's why I gave him a six. I'm eating a seven because I was a seven or six. So um so we can have a we can have a seven. Um going down the uh the, the squad list, number eighteen is uh, Daniel Armati, who uh, is uh not 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 figured at all. So uh, we go on to number nineteen. This is where my uh, my list gets a slightly skew if because I had number nineteen as being um, Harvey Barnes, but obviously that's uh, yeah. He changed squad number just before when Harry Maguire went and yeah. left, vacated fifteen. Barnes went to fifteen. So next on the list is twenty Hamza Chowdhury. Yeah, we don't we don't have a number nineteen. Good number twenty then Hamza Chowdhury, who I I I don't know why he didn't play more towards the end of the season. We were saying it every week, weren't we, Rob? Saying this this game's for Hamza and and. He, he, he never really came off the bench either in a number of games. And when you got five subs, that, that was one of the major criticisms as well of, of Rogers with the five subs. He never really exploited that. And surely Hamza is that one player in the Leicester side who has that bite in midfield who that we've been we've been really wanting. We know Wilfred indeed is such a clean tackler and pinches the ball when Hamza's kind of the enforcer. Um, I expected more. And now... Whose fault is that? Is that Rogers? Is that Hamza Chowdhury? Well, we've got to label it down as as the player. When he's played, he's played well. He scored that lovely goal at Newcastle, didn't he, in the cup? And um, there is a real footballer there. But you do now have to kind of question where his ranking is in the Leicester side. But then you look at his 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 rating for the season. What has he done when he's came on? When he's played? And his expectation, or my expectation about Hamza Chowdhury, goes up every year. He's another player who has played on numbers number of occasions now. You know, he's he's no longer this uh, this 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 teenager who you expect to show glimpses, but there's no real pressure on him overall. You know, this is a guy who is the same age as Harvey Barnes, who's going to be turning twenty three uh, soon, actually, in October. So we've got to expect more of Hamza Chowdhury. I'm going to give him a seven. I've also gone for seven. Yeah, there were there were some games where I think we would have benefited from his um, tenacity in the centre of midfield, shall we say. But it is a difficult position for him because it's rare that you would want to see him and Wilfred and Didi in the same starting lineup when you consider the fact that you want one ball winner and if you're playing three midfield, two ball players, or if you're playing only two midfield, you want a ball winner and a ball player. Uh, and Chowdhury, I don't think, gives you the full confidence on the ball and in his passing range to to warrant him playing alongside Ndidi too often, which is a difficult position to be in, particularly with Ndidi not being, uh, not being very old himself. Um, but what he's done, he's done relatively well. Uh, and it's more game time for him, which hopefully will stand him in good stead going forward. So seven out of ten, yeah. Uh, on to number twenty-one. That's Ricardo Pereira, who we know missed towards the end of the season. We missed him badly. Um, yeah, just a fantastic season when he was playing. It was fantastic, and it's um, it's it's, it's awkward with with uh, Ricardo Pereira, isn't it? Because you've got to judge it on when he played. 
Um, it's not his fault. He got he got injured. He got injured, and he didn't even know it at the time, or it wasn't as serious in that game against Aston Villa. And and fingers crossed, everything looks to be okay at the moment for him. More than likely to be pretty much starting the first game of the season. You'd, you'd think uh, he's back pretty much full training by the sounds of it. So hopefully it's nothing um, that will flare up again. But up until that game and how we how we missed him, my word, possibly and. You could argue this, and you could argue the case, and it will make a blind bit of difference, really. But you possibly could say the injury has cost us the the place in the Champions League. That that's not too far fetched to say, really, because the whole way of Ricard of uh, just him replacing him, and then when Chilwell gets injured, it, the whole team's kind of lopsided. It's all over the place. When if Chilwell was injured and Ricardo's playing, Justin could have played on that side, etc. And it's it's a nine out of ten for me. He he's, he was so good before the injury. He was exceptional. Nine out of ten. Yeah, he's a big contributor to to everything that we do well in in terms of his industry, his desire to get forward, and I think the reason why him and Perez linked up so well is that Perez naturally wants to get inside. He's not the quickest of players, so he's not going to be trying to beat people for pace or try and get round them. So he tries to come inside a little bit and affect the game there, and it allows a lot of room for Ricardo on the overlap. And how many times did we see him getting himself in the penalty area and supporting the attacks? It's a huge um, part of our game that we missed. And that's no discredit to James Justin, who may in time become that real positive impact in in the opposition's final third but Ricardo's one of the best players in the league at doing it one of the best fullbacks you know when we were talking earlier in the season and Leicester were flying high you know um, him and Chilwell were being um, compared to Alexander Arnold and and Robertson at, at Liverpool such is the the standing that they are held within in the Premier League so massive miss for us hopefully he comes back at at the same level um, for the new season, uh, and I would absolutely give him nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I don't think I went in really to a lot of detail with Pereira. I think it was just we all kind of know, don't we? But it, it it's the the contribution he makes is is invaluable, really. What he's worth, and we'll come on to signings very shortly. But uh, there's only really a couple more players to go through because you've got um, twenty two Matty James. 23, um, Adrian Silva. Uh, Numbly's Mendy, number 24, played a couple of times, didn't it? That was a random pick, wasn't it? All of a sudden, Mendy played. Um, 27, Diabate, uh, Rashid Gazelle, um, the likes of Andy King, etc. So those, I don't think, really get marks. Um, one player in between all those, number 25, is Wilfred Ndidi, who certainly gets marks. And... Another fantastic season, and possibly with Wilfred Ndidi, I I think it's maybe it's probably his best season. I think he's he's just such a clean tackler, and he's he's invaluable really for Leicester. He's one of those players where you, you almost look and go, if he's not playing, there is such a drop off in midfield. But then when he's playing, there are certain times when I look and go, I wonder if there's more to Wilfred and Didi, um, to his game. But then, is it the fact that he's so good at what he's doing? Is because he's being kept in that position in midfield. How he 
marshals certain sectors of the field when Hamza Chowdhury, when he plays in the same role, will will go over to the to the wings and make tackles and then possibly get caught out position-wise. You never see Wilfred Ndidi out of position. And his sheer presence alone now, he's standing in, in English football, is such where other midfielders, I think, change their game because Wilf's playing. He's a player, again, I'll put alongside one or two others that we just absolutely desperately need to keep on hold of. And if he was ever going to move to a club, it would be for big money, absolutely proper proper top whack stuff. Um it's a nine out of ten for me for Wilfred Ndidi. I think he's he's an exceptional player. Um I just wonder whether there's more and I and that's not a criticism. That's kind of a hope um rather than an expectation. I just wonder whether this time next year we are basically bordering up the entrance to the training ground for all sorts of clubs around the world, because I think if Wilfred Ndidi leaves Leicester, it won't be to a Premier League club. I think it will be to one of the big European giants. And I think the one thing that will will change that, or the one thing that will make that happen, will be if he just starts to go forward with the ball, not because he's been told to, but because he all of a sudden realises what a good player he is. And... He just shows a little bit extra to his game, which then alerts, you know, the Giants. And um, I hope it doesn't happen that that he leaves. But that's the thing that I think's just keeping him back from being a Real Madrid or a Barcelona type player. He's getting towards that level, isn't he? I mean, he lost out on the top tackler in the Premier League by one to Wambasaka of Manchester United. Um, everything that you would want in a midfield player is there, except that extra little bit that you just said. If he gets that, he becomes one of the best all-round midfielders in the world. Absolutely no question about it. And and his improvement year on year and his effectiveness in our team is critical, really. Um, it's a 9 out of 10 from me as well. I think he's had another outstanding season. And he he's one of them that really, you know, because he's not particularly fashionable... Or, or English, you know, the English press haven't really got hold of it that much in terms of the transfer rumour mill as they have with the likes of Madison and Chilwell. So hopefully that works in our favour uh, and hopefully it means that he's well settled at Leicester and that he's uh, planning on staying with us for the foreseeable. It's the It's the fact that he's improved this season. You look at his game and you go, right, well... How can he improve next season? Can he improve on what he's already exceptional at? Well, there's there's only a little bit of room there because if if he does improve, he's going to be arguably the best defensive midfielder in in Europe or one of them, generally to that level. Is there just any other part of his game? Well, of course there is. Going forward, maybe a bit more range of of, of passing, maybe a bit more confidence in that side of the game. But again, he doesn't need to. It's just you're looking at where he can improve. You, Say Ricardo, how can Ricardo improve? Well, you know, he's a, he's an exceptional player. He's fantastic. Maybe um, his 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 crossing, or maybe his you know t- take more shots, or I don't know his, his goal ratio. It's it's difficult with these players at such a high level. Jamie Vardy, how can he improve? Well, score twenty four next season. That sort of thing, isn't it? Um, I, I suppose there's one person, Christian Fuchs, further down, paid on occasion. Um, but again, it's you know he still plays to a standard, so. Uh, unless there's anyone I've missed off the list, Rob. You have, yeah. Dennis Pratt, 
Uh, I went for 7 out of 10. (laughs) Fairly steady when he comes in. Like to see more from him next season, but I think he should probably stay with us. Uh, Ryan Bennett as well was, was an interesting one when I was thinking of numbers because... He only played a handful of games. A couple of times he looked like a 9 out of 10, very good defensively, comfortable on the ball. And other times he looked like a 5. So I went down the middle and gave him a 7. So 7 for Pratt, 7 for Fuchs, 7 for Bennett for me. Yeah, Pratt. I think the list I got was probably pre-Pratt signing. So um, apologies to Dennis Pratt. I think he's had a. I think he's had a good season. Slightly disappointed late on. I think 7's about right. And I just... The one thing with Pratt, he's a, he's a good player impish quick loves a tackle but there is a good footballer there as well I just wonder is is there room for him to step up another couple of notches I just I just question that you know that Yuri Tillemans has that in him you know and we mentioned Wilfred Ndidi you just wonder Dennis Pratt I think he's been a good signing and he's a good player to have in the as, as a, in the first team squad and and if he does kick on and and again he's only been at the club for a, a season so he's more than likely to, you'd say. But I just, you look at his size and, and the way he plays and you're just wondering whether he's actually maybe playing at his full full potential. Hopefully not. Hopefully there is his room for him to improve because he's a good player and I think the crowd like him because he's a he looks to be an honest 100% player. Ryan Bennett, for me, he, he it was the perfect game against Crystal Palace at home. Uh, boot the ball long. Bennett, get your head on it. He's not going to sign for the club, surely. That's He's not a... He was exposed against uh, Arsenal, wasn't he? And he's just um, he's just a big head at the back. And surely there's a, a few Premier League clubs looking at him, going, "Hang on, there's a there's a player to sign." Maybe some clubs who have got promoted, for example. What a good signing he will be for, like a Leeds United, for example. But uh, but not for Leicester. Um, yeah. So there we go. There's our. Well, it's not one to eleven. It's the entire first team squad. Uh, if you disagree with our numbers our ratings first of all you're obviously wrong because you know it's our rating uh but also uh, you can get in contact at ffs pod on twitter and for fox 8 podcast at gmail.com is our email address so on to the final parts of the double header podcast and we're looking forward to next season after giving all the players a ratings which players do we think should go rob and then who should we bring in now we've kind of set ourselves a little task here haven't we because we could mention every single player under the sun, but we've kind of limited it to three um, individual players who are known really to the listeners. And and just just as a general idea of who who we're thinking, there's a, a thousand players out there who who they possibly could sign, and they'll be appearing all the time on people's Twitter timelines and rumor mills, etc. And also with a look to next season as well, how we think the the squad's going to develop and what our aims are for next season. So. Um, let's let's shift out some players, Rob. Let, let's let's get rid of a few. Let's chop some. Now we've mentioned Damari Gray, and I think we're both singing off the same hymn sheet when it comes to him maybe being moved on. Probably the the, the one club who's going to come out uh, uh, come up a lot in this conversation might well be Bournemouth because Damari Gray more than likely would have gone to Bournemouth if they were still in the Premier League, but now they're not. And then they're ripe for the picking in terms of signing players as well, aren't they? They are, yeah. So he could be involved in some kind of, not necessarily straight swap deal, but some kind of trade-off that makes um, any potential purchase of a Bournemouth player a little bit cheaper in terms of cash. Um, But, you know, for Bournemouth, you look at them and go... (sighs) 
yes, in the championship signing, Damari Gray would be would be quite reasonable, you'd imagine, because he's shown in the Premier League in glimpses that he can have an effect on the game. So I've got no doubt that he'd be able to do that on a more regular basis in the championship. And, and he showed that at Birmingham, and that's the reason that we signed him, ultimately. Um, but he's got every chance at Bournemouth of being another failed winger like Jordan Ibe, for example, who who was um, starting to show signs of getting into the first team at Liverpool and then just ended up there and stagnating. So I would be happy for a team to take Gray off of our hands, to be honest. Yeah, there's a number of players who I think most supporters would be quite willing to, not to be happy to see them go. The likes, those who aren't playing. So you're looking at the Islam Soleimani's, uh, the likes of, say, um, Adrian Silva, uh, Matty James through injuries. It's probably not going to happen, even though it is certainly apparent that Rodgers thinks he's a good player. Um, you would also throw in to that conversation the uh, the gazelles in, in there as well, uh, Debates, th- th- those sort of players who, who haven't made it and I don't think will. And it's a, it's a case of just trying to get as much money as possible and, and taking them off the wage bill. Whether that can happen, I don't know. Do you see a, a route back? Uh, in fact, I'll throw in one player as well, Nampolis Mendy, who, if we need cover, and by the looks of things, might possibly get an extra year just as cover, a, a direct cover, that is, for Wilfred Ndidi, which does put into question then Hamza Chowdhury's place and his position in the squad because he was always going to be the and seemed to be the heir apparent for Wilfred Ndidi but if the conversation is going along the the, the lines of Mendy's going to be given an extra year as cover for Ndidi what does that do for Chowdhury so are any of those players do you think is given a a lifeline I'd always like to have seen um, Slamani being given another chance because I, I still think there was a there was a player there who who had a half-decent record goals-to-games ratio, but also, in the right circumstances, really could have done some damage. Yes, it didn't quite work for him, but it was in a slightly unsettled time, etc., with managers. But I, I would personally go for the broom option of sweeping all of those aside. Silver as well, whether he comes back in... Whether I think the, the Premier League is just slightly too quick at the time is probably the case, but also I think it's maybe just a, a year or so down the line and he's he's another year older so I would go for the option of kind of get rid and of all of them if one or two are going to be kept like the Mendy for a year okay a year contract on reduced wages uh, for various reasons I can see the uh, the sense in that so I would go for the broom and sweep them all out I think that's a likely option but I also think we've kind of looked like we've been trying to get rid of Slimani and, and Silva for quite a long time and it's difficult to shift them, probably because of their significant wages that they'll be commanding. You know, Slimani came in as a big money striker um, with a decent scoring record in Europe and Silva, uh, Portuguese international. Um, so it might be quite difficult to shift them. But in terms of their ages... I would say that that's probably one of the main reasons why it's not really necessary to keep them. If they were both three or four years younger and you still had a bit of time with them, then it might be worth seeing if you could embed them into the squad and certainly in Silver's case, get him up to the speed of the Premier League because there's no doubt when when you see him in a slower-paced game, he's got the technical ability. Well, he, he has to have because he, he started games for Portugal, who are a, a big heavyweight... Into a national side, 
Um, would he fit in with the kind of style of play that Brendan Rodgers favours? Possibly. But I still don't think he's got the physicality to be part of the high-press um, approach out of possession. I think he's not got the time in central midfield that he would have in, in European leagues. Um, likes of Diabati and Gazal, no chance. Slomani, I think, too old and possibly too injury-prone. You know, he was in and out of the squad for chopping and changing, but also for, for injuries. Um, but when fit and when playing regularly, yes, goal scorer. Uh, and we, we saw that in, in limited amounts of time. Uh, Mendy, I'd be, I'd be fine with him saying, Brendan Rodgers obviously sees something there that makes him think that he has a role to play because of the the odd occasion this season where he's ended up in the starting lineup and we've gone, well, forgot we had him. What, what's he doing there? Especially with like Dennis Pratt and Hamza Chowdhury on the bench. Um, so if you're going to play a formation where you have three central midfielders, which we do at times, then you need the bodies in there to make sure that that, that holes can be plugged if, should they appear. So if it's a one-year extension, I can't imagine he's going to command that much of a wage. He's already knows the squad well. If he's settled, then it's a player that you already know. Yes, he's got limitations, but you know what you're going to get from him. And it's probably probably less of a risk than letting his contract end, which it, well, it has expired, but they're in talks, aren't they? It's probably less of a risk than getting rid of him and getting somebody else in. Yes, and because his contract's ran down and essentially he's a free agent, he would be signed on a one-year deal and again on, on much reduced terms as well than, than what he would have been on his original deal when he signed for the club. Uh, it, with players leaving, the main one really is Ben Chilwell. There's reports in the last 24 hours, and, and there's a few journalists out there we mentioned who we kind of keep tabs on and say whatever they say is generally um, a, a, a good option to follow because there's a million and 12 outlets which will spread, especially at this current time, a complete nonsense regarding transfers. And it's, it's just to, to, to get their uh, their clicks up and their likes, etc., and to start balls rolling with pretty much nonsense stories. But there's one or two out there who I certainly would uh, give time and day to James Nursey in the Daily Mirror, for example, who I've met on a couple of occasions at the ground and done, done pieces for, etc. Um, he is local to Leicester as well, and he reported that's and it, it wouldn't be the most groundbreaking news, but Leicester will want the same money, if not slightly more, than they got for Harry Maguire for Ben Chilwell. So there's the level, basically. I'd imagine the conversation is, what Harry went for is what we want for Ben. That's pretty much... And also maybe the deal uh, structured as well. Man United... Uh, Man United? Man United signed Harry Maguire. Chelsea, who are obviously the club who are uh, linked with Ben Chilwell, along with maybe Manchester City, and, and we know that Pep loves the fullback. Um, it, it, they've spent quite a bit of money already, so you, you'd think they'd have to maybe ship one or two out before that happens. And... It wouldn't be a move that maybe would be uh, necessarily needs to be done straight away because he would be able to, if, for example, Ben Chilwell moves in the last week before the Premier League season starts, it wouldn't be a huge displacement for him because it's just down the road. Now, I don't, first of all, I don't want him to go because he's a good player. And there's also room for improvement. We mentioned about him last season, about those games he went missing, the the the, the complete lack of form shown over uh, over a few games. 
the 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 parts of his game he needs to work on. Put all that to one side. He's a really good player. He's an England first choice left back, so we don't just want to get rid of him. But because there's a there, there is more there, and he could turn into an exceptional fullback. But if someone's willing to pay the same Harry Maguire money for Ben Chilwell, I personally would go right. There's areas in the squad and the first team in particular, which we'll come on to, that need addressing more and need more being spent on, and 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 have more an impact on Leicester going from where they are to higher in the league and furthering cup competitions. Yes, I'd agree with that. Um, but I also agree with Brendan Rodgers' statement that Ben Chilwell is not for sale and, um, and we don't necessarily need to sell him. It comes back to the point that I made about Mendy. If you if you sell Ben Chilwell, you've then, regardless of the price tag you sell him for, if you buy somebody to, to replace him for half that price... You still need that player to be as good, if not better, than Ben Chilwell. And the guy is England's number one left back. So if you're the number one left back for one of the biggest national teams in the world, then where where do you get a better left back from? And especially because um, we, we finished fifth in the Premier League and we are becoming a bigger draw for players to, to come to. It's, it, they're no longer, I wouldn't imagine, they're discounting little old Leicester as much as they would have done in the past. But we're still by no means a big club. So you sell an England international left-back. How do you sign somebody equally as good or better than that? It would be a real struggle. And you'd also have the, real, the, the possibility of being priced out of a lot of deals or being... Or other left backs being inflated their uh, their transfer fee because they've seen that you flogged Chilwell for X amount of money, and you could be taken to the absolute cleaners with it. So, I think we need to, as long as he is happy to stay, and I think that's important because it seems that he his form can be affected by other things more so than many of the other players. So, as long as he's happy to stay, then. I don't think we'd take any price for it. I personally wouldn't take any price for him. Um, I don't know whether Madison signing a new contract might be a possible reason that he would stay because those two seem pretty close. But, you know, if he wants to move, fine. Get as much money as you can for him. But if he doesn't want to move, I wouldn't I wouldn't sell him regardless of the price. I think he probably would go. I think he probably will in fact, here we go, Rob. Do you think at this current time that Leicester, at the start of next season, or sorry, at the end of the transfer window, will have Ben Chilwell as their number three? Do you think he's stay or go? To be perfectly honest with you, I because of the strength of the the conversation that's happening around him leaving, I would say it's I'm I'm leaning slightly more in favour of him not being at the club. Do I absolutely know? Of course I don't. Do I, Unless you know Ben Chilwell personally, you don't really know what's going on in his, in his mind and what, where he thinks his future lies. But at this moment in time, I'd say it's more likely that he won't be at the club. And I think that'd be a shame. Yeah, I, I think it would be a shame as well. I would go uh, I'll go the same, to be honest. I would go probably 70-30 maybe that he'll go. Again, because of, because of his age, because he's that one year older than... That, that that group as well at the club he, he's he is approaching you know you kind of mid 20s he will be in the next year or so so he's looking and 
the quote of I'm looking at a club for the next five or six years, you know, kind of like your best years, um, that, that that quote generally wouldn't be made up. That seems like something someone like Ben Joel would say. And if he sees his future at Chelsea and I've put my hand up in the air and I'll say it again and again and again, I'd stand in no one's way if they want to leave the club. And I don't blame a certain players for going to, to, to clubs like Manchester City, Chelsea and United. You're talking the three big cheeses in the Premier League along with Liverpool. It's 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 something that... And you see the picture the other day of Danny Drinkwater with his arm around Chilwell on holiday. And you look at Drinkwater and I know it didn't go right for him, but he'd done everything at Leicester. He'd played in Europe, won the league. And... And then Chelsea come knocking with a, a a massive offer and a huge wage. It was like, well, yeah, okay, I'll go. I bet you anything. Danny Drinkwater probably wasn't uh, kind of edging for a move. I think it, it, it probably just happened. And uh, it's obviously turned out really poorly for him on a football level. But if, if, if Chilwell wants to go, and I don't want him to go, but if he does, it looks like it's going to be for big money. But their players, I don't think there's anyone else in the squad who you think's maybe going to leave. Um... Kaleshi, do you reckon he will... Because there's been... Again, he, he's going to be one player who, if you're a Premier League side, if you've got a little bit of money, um, you're looking, say, mid-table, you're looking, say, West Ham, Newcastle, etc., and you're looking for a goal scorer and you're looking at other clubs, he would be one player who would be on the list. And you could say, especially with sides who generally play with a taller striker, so West Ham and Newcastle would certainly be two clubs who would fit that bill. And you'd look at someone like uh, Kaleshi and go, he kind of fits the bill of that guy who we know can score goals in the Premier League. If we give him the number nine shirt alongside a big guy up top or played in a a formation which suits his game, he can score goals. And we could pick a guy up for, what did we spend, 25 million? I would imagine if Leicester have targets in that area, which I think they do, and for maybe similar money or slightly more, then if someone came in with a bid of, say, £20 million up front or 20 to £25 million for uh, Kaleshi and Iacho, so basically we got our money back, I think they'll be very tempted to say yes. The thing with Iacho is he's, he's, played, he's had more game time and scored more goals this season. And he seems relatively happy. You know, he's normally quite a sombre bloke, but he, he seemed to be enjoying his football a little bit more. And I think the main problem is if you if you get rid of Iheanacho, Leicester then need to sign two strikers, really, because we haven't got any strikers. We've got Vardy, yes, golden boot winner, but you can't rely on him totally. If you get rid of Iheanacho, the only other player that can play directly through the middle is Iose Perez. So you've, you've got to find yourself two strikers there because I think we need to be in the market for a striker anyway to get us up to four at, at the very least. So... I would I would keep him to get same as same as Chilwell and same as Mendy. If you get rid of him, you've got to bring in somebody else who might be a bit more of an unknown. Ian Acho's been at the club what three years now. I think it was three years a couple of days ago since we signed him. And yes, we've still not seen the best out of him. And have we got a full return for the money that we spent on him yet? No, but he is still relatively young. This is probably his best season in a Leicester shirt. And there are times when our formation can be. And has been adapted to play two through the middle um, and have him alongside Vardy. And I think he's looking like he's improving and looking like he's relatively happy. So 
we're we're not in a position where we need to cash in. So I would I would keep him as one of four strikers. Now, when it comes to players signing for Leicester, I've got written down a few things here. And I've got written down first-team players rather than squad players. So maybe three first-team rather than six squad, for example. Um, because we have the players coming through from the youth's team, because we have a decent squad already, even though when you miss four first-team players, it really has an effect as it would for most teams in the Premier League. But I would like to see Leicester sign players who would be able to play straightaway first-team football and also add to that side straight away. Now, I've got three players written down. You've got three players written down. So we're going to go with number three for each. Now, my number three is a player who I've said before, and I think it's it's a bit. this is a bit of a wide punt. Do you know what I mean? This is, this is the one who I don't think will arrive. But if we needed a player, I think if we needed this player last season or if he was available last season, we would have a, a realistic chance of getting him. And it's John Stones at Manchester City. Because we lost Harry Maguire, we had the money. And we had also, and most importantly, a first-team place available. It turns out now we don't, because Soyuncu and Evans will obviously be the first-team centre-half. So John Stones signing for Leicester wouldn't automatically get in the side. I think he would go to a club where he's guaranteed first-team football. But I think he fits a profile, age, uh, he's English, of a player who, who, who A, we need, because I think we need another centre-half with Wes Morgan, who knows what Benkovic is going to be doing, whether he's going to step up like Soyuncu's done, we'll wait and see. But I think we do need another centre-half. Ryan Bennett's not the option. Do you go with someone young, which they more than likely probably will do, or... They sign an old head, but this guy is 26 years old, England international. We know it's gone a bit stale for him at Manchester City. I think the, the problem with John Stones is that he tries to do the 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 the, 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 the footy duddy passing and the the Pep Guardiola style, which we we associated with John Stones when he signed for them. As that that's where he, that's where he falls down. He's undoubtedly a very good ball playing centre half, but he just tries too much. Where and you can do that. If you just turn into a a, um, a basic centre half and did the, the 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 standard things correctly, then I think he'd still be one of the best centre halves in England. Don't don't forget this. This guy's played many times for England. He's become a slight, almost laughing figure because of those very high profile mistakes. He needs a change of scenery. I think it's a bit far fetched now. He will come to Leicester unless. They are going to change to a back three, which I don't think they will. But if they were, for example, or they were in the market for someone like this guy, it would be an absolutely bang on ideal signing. Yeah, Stones is on my list as well. And he is, as you say, England quality. He's of a very good age to buy a centre-back. And you could show him, you could you could say, look, we, we sometimes, we quite often play with three at the back, which we have done particularly since the restart. So it's not a case of Evans and Soyuncu start and you sit on the bench and wait for an injury before you have a go. There will be times when you are in the starting eleven. Um, he is good with his feet. Yes, I think Manchester City play um, or overplay more than we do. We certainly keep the ball at the back, and you look at pass completion for the season, and you know Johnny Evans is right up there because he receives the ball so often. So I'd have no 
hesitation in having Stones in that back line and, and keeping the ball in the way that Leicester do, we take fewer chances in and around our own sort of corner flags and on the edge of our own box like Manchester City. So you almost eradicate the opportunity for, for that kind of error. And I also think if Stones comes to a club like ours, smaller club than Manchester City, where the expectation is not quite so high, where a manager like Brendan Rodgers is a fantastic man-manager from what we've seen. He knows when players need an arm around them, when he knows how to instil some belief into players. If you get him in, you get an arm around him, you play him regularly, I think you get him back to the level that saw him start so many games for England and you know the, the level that got him the move from, from Everton to Manchester City. And it is a a key area where we need an extra player, especially if we are going to play three at the back, because as it stands, we've only got three centre-backs. Benkovic coming back, we don't know what level he's coming back at. By all accounts, he had a decent um, loan spell at Bristol City, but whether he's ready for the Premier League, we don't know. You need somebody, and, and, and that would be a huge signing for us, I think, somebody of that quality. To, to add to our back line would be would be big and and I'd spend whatever you need to he's not going to cost you 80 odd million like Harry Maguire because he's fallen out of favor a little bit and because of the fact that he is he is a, almost a bit of a um a mocking figure isn't he people are people are taking the mickey out of him quite a lot that should reduce his fee down to what 40 50 million especially because Manchester City are in the market for for central defenders and Stones has been left out in favour of a 35-year-old central midfielder in Fernandinho to play at centre-back. So he's clearly not top of the pecking order at, at City. So I would happily, happily take him. I think he'd be a very good signing. I think if we've made bids of, say, 30-odd million for for, for certain centre-halves, um, Tarkovsky at, at, at Burnley, for example, I think if we were to pay 40 million, I'd, I think Leicester would. Whether that's enough, to take him from Man City, who knows? And also, he's a winner. He's won things at Man City, which is what we need. We need to be turned from the nearly men in cup competitions, for example, because there's then three tournaments which we're aiming for next year. What were Rogers' aims at the start of the year to be in the cup final of the League Cup and the FA Cup and um, or qualify for Europe? Well, he qualified for Europe, maybe not the competition we expected a few months ago, but we were very close in again the cup competitions we just need to go that one step further now with the other two players i've not got a number 2 i've got two number ones <laughs> um because i couldn't decide between which ones which as my number one signing um so i will go with one of them and the game which will be played possibly before you listen to this podcast is going to go a long way i think to determining how much people are going to have to pay for this guy because I think he's going to go from Brentford anyway. And it's Saeed Ben-Rama, who I think is the best player to play in the championship since Riyad Mahrez. One or two players have dropped down into the championship, played a couple of games and left, etc. But this guy has played for Brentford this season in a number 10 position, but also can float across the front line. And I think he is absolutely exceptional. He's, first of all, he's 25 in August. So it's it, this ain't some young kid who's going to just be dropped into um, 
a, a Premier League side and, and, and maybe not uh, not float. I don't quite... I haven't really looked into his background of where he's been playing before. Maybe slightly lazy, actually, not doing that, but still. But he is fantastic. I, I've said before, at boss at work, he's a big Brentford fan, goes every game, and he has just backed it all up. He looks like the best player on the field, even when playing poorly, a bit like what Morris did. And what he has, he has more of a goal threat. He's a bit more solidly built. And, and I'm going to basically describe him like Riyad Mahrez or or the the equivalent of but he's a bit more solidly built very fast a bit more robust than say a Mahrez more central but definitely more of a goal threat creative looks exceptionally hungry he's got all the talent in the world and he's coming from Brentford with respect to Brentford they're going to want a few quid for him but if they don't go up I'm sure the price tag will go down but if they do get promoted, then they can turn around and go, right, actually, we want quite a few quid. I don't think he will be there next year. He's linked with Arsenal and Chelsea, which every player who's half decent, especially in London, will be. But I think this is a genuine must signing. He would fit in perfectly in, in our system. And I think there's going to be a whole raft of clubs after him. And we can offer so much more than them. We can offer... First-team football, we can offer European football, brand-new training ground. I think it's an absolute no-brainer, and it's probably the number one target of, I would say, more than half of the Premier League will be after this guy. Yeah, there'll definitely be a bit of a queue, won't there? It'd be interesting if Brentford do win the playoff final, whether he chooses to stay at Brentford for a season, and a lot of key players in, in promoted sides not necessarily feel obliged, but they, they want to stay for their first season in the Premier League, uh, do a job, keep them up. It, it, and it would probably be a a pressure-free way for him to experience the Premier League for the first time. And then if he has a decent season um, and keeps Brentford up or, or sets the, the Premier League alight with some, some goals and some assists, then then he gets his move. So I, I don't necessarily... I, if, they, if they don't go up, I, I, don't, I don't think he'll be there. But if they do, he might stay for another season. But I agree, it'd be a fantastic signing from the little that I've seen of him this season. Uh, I, you know, when 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 you messaged me before we recorded saying you've got to pick your three top transfers this summer, uh, they've got to be realistic, got to be first team quality, and I, I, to try and narrow it down, I went for most needed positions, uh, and I had centre back, uh, and I put Stones in. Um, I had winger as a much-needed position because the amount of times we've seen the ball go out wide and we haven't got anybody to beat a player one-on-one and actually create anything from a wide position, bar Harvey Barnes, um, is quite frightening, really. So I put winger. I hadn't thought of Ben Rama, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, So I've got a player there who is similar in some ways, but uh, there's a question mark over his fitness um, and that's David Brooks uh, from Bournemouth. When I was looking at realistic transfer targets, your first thought, despite the fact that we finished fifth, is, is there anybody in the three relegated teams that would add something to our first team but be available for, one, a realistic transfer and two, a realistic price? Um, and I think David Brooks might fit that mould. This season, he's, he's struggled with injuries. So, you know, you'd have to be very careful with the medical in that sense. Um, but last season, he got seven goals and five assists in 30 games, 
which for a 22-year-old in his first season in the Premier League, I thought was a very good return. Um, Welsh international, only 23. He's got that kind of unknown about him. He's got trickery, he's got pace, he's got quality um, with both feet. So I think he would... He, he's the signing that came to mind when I thought we need a winger and when I had a look at the relegated clubs. Because I don't think there's there's anybody really in that pocket of mid-table Premier League sides that we would be worth cherry-picking players from. Especially not because they'd, they'd be an inflated price because it's a Premier League club still. I don't think there's anybody there. Whereas, you know, clubs like Bournemouth in particular possibly Watford have got the odd player where you could say right they're definitely Premier League quality definitely top half Premier League quality and would give you something extra so I think Brooks is is a, is a similar sort of idea to Ben Rama really. I've got David Brooks down on, on a list of players other players I, I I go back to the game where we beat Bournemouth very early in in Rogers tenure when we won 2-0 and bossed the game it was a, it was a nice day and I went as a fan, and Brooks and Fraser, they're very, very similar type players, but but Brooks certainly stood out for me. Just look again; he 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 had a presence about him. He he, he stood out in the Bournemouth side with, with his control and and just his all round game. He he really did show for me that he's a better player or a player who I would like less to sign more than say a Ryan Fraser who. Has a a little bit of the um, maybe the Aaron Lennons and the uh, the Pinars about him, where he's a, he's a very quick player, but maybe one dimensional. And Brooks has more about him, and and I would be delighted. And I think of all the names we've mentioned so far, and probably will do, he looks to be in certain areas the most rumored and likely signing. So. I would agree with certainly, and also I would say that I think this year has been probably the, the the first year for a while, or one of the most maybe productive is the word uh, years for picking. And if I could use cherry picking because that would be uh, quite a nice way but of players from relegated clubs. I think it's easy to look at the clubs who have gone down and go, well, actually he's a good player and he's a good player. But this year, I think it's it's actually very apt. Bournemouth especially. It's just gone a bit stale there, hasn't it, after five years in the Premier League. And there's a lot of players who you would look at and go, actually, they are Premier League quality players. Watford, one or two. And then you look at Norwich, and it's all about potential, isn't it? It's all the youngsters who maybe would move on, the Aarons, the Cantwells, etc. But my number one, joint number one, is a player who is from Bournemouth, fully enough. And... The reason that this guy is alongside side Ben Rama is because it's a position we need. It's a player who would be straight in there and no nonsense. And it's just... I don't like the term ticks all the boxes. <laughs> um, but because it's, uh, well, this one person uses it all the time and, it, and it's kind of like a, a bit of a, a bit of a laugh amongst the, uh, amongst the crew there. But um, he ticks all the boxes, Rob. And it's Callum Wilson. Because is he good enough? Yes. Has he got proven Premier League quality? Yes. International player as well for England, as we, as we remember. Would he be an issue in the squad? 
No, you can't see that. Is he experienced? He's 28 years old. You won't really want him to be any older. But he's certainly got the experience. Would he cost the earth? No, because of that age and also because they've gone down, I'd imagine they'll take a reasonable fee, but nothing extraordinary. Would he play up top on his own instead of Jamie Vardy? Yes, perfectly capable of that. There's an awful lot of football to be played next season in very, very quick time as well. We're offering him European football. I can't see any problems with signing Callum Wilson whatsoever. If he's fit and playing, which he is, great. You wouldn't give him anything more than maybe a two-year deal. And it goes in the box of no-brainer for me. He, he, guess what, Rob? He ticks all the boxes. He does tick. He does tick many boxes. He's he's on my list. Now, I'd, uh, my last position when I was looking, so we'd, uh, I had centre-back, winger and striker. Centre-back, Stones, winger, Brooks or Ben Rama, fine. Um, and then striker. And I listed three um, to choose from. Now, I listed Callum Wilson, Danny Ings and Odson Edouard from Celtic. Danny Ings, obviously, one goal shy of the Golden Boot this season. 28, so experienced, been around the Premier League a while. Yes, potentially injury prone. Um, But what I thought about Ings was he doesn't offer you anything different to Jamie Vardy. So that's why I discounted him, because he is very much a play on the shoulder of the last defender, uh, a natural goal scorer, and he's not massively tall. So I I discounted him. And then I was directly comparing Callum Wilson and Odson Edouard and... And the thing is, Edouard is 22. He is six foot two. He got 22 goals in 27 Scottish Premiership appearances last season, which is a, a very good return. Bagged a hat-trick at the weekend on the first game of the new season. So he looks a player, but he looks a player in the Scottish Premiership. And if we're looking for somebody that could come straight in, first-team quality, proven goal scorer in the top flight, then... I think Callum Wilson just edges it for me because he has got the physicality should you need to. And it's not the only plan B, but it's a plan B that a lot of supporters have been hankering for is there's the ability to just go a little bit more direct and find somebody's chest or or head in the last few minutes of the game when, you, when you're chasing a result. Can Callum Wilson do that? He absolutely can. Yeah, he's six foot plus. He's strong. He is a battler, puts himself about. And he got eight goals this season in a team that really struggled, which is decent. He got 14 in 30 last season in 14 and 30 Premier League games, which is, you know, best part of one in two, which is a very good ratio for a striker. And I think he does, to, to coin that phrase once more, tick, tick all the boxes and, and he's a very realistic transfer target for us. I think a lot of people would have thought I would have said odds on Edward. I... I would love them to sign this guy because this guy could be a, a proper star. But he's sign them cost, both. Yeah, well, this is what I was about to say. He's going to cost a lot of money. And they might sign them both, Rob. And if they do, fine. They're going to be then fighting over that number one place. And, and also, you, that'll put pressure on Jamie Vardy, the golden boot winner. Imagine if they sign them both. He'll be like, oh my God, like, you know, I've really got to... Keep going. I've got to up my game almost as a as a thirty three year old. But uh, Edward would cost a lot of money. He would, well, he he would cost at least forty million. You'd think thirty five, forty million. But there's going to be a lot of clubs queuing up for him. 
there'll be a lot of clubs queuing up for Callum Wilson as well. But Callum Wilson is just he's just ready, and that's what we need straight away. If they were going, if they were going to spend a lot of money, if they were, for example, going to sell Ben Chilwell and then spend the money on both, great. And I'm a massive fan of odds on Edward. And if they were to buy him instead, great, no problem. But there are risks attached. Again, unproven in the Premier League, but you're getting an incredible, incredibly, well, a, a player with an awful lot of potential. Put it that way, and. He again ticks a lot of boxes, but uh, but Wilson, uh, I think, just just edges it. There's a few others I've got written down as well. I mean, David Brooks was one, and I put Ryan Fraser as well as David Brooks. Um, Matteo Guendouzi, remember that a few weeks ago when his name appeared on the Leicester City website under the list of players, and he seems to be surplus to requirements at Arsenal. And if he was to leave for, you'd imagine, a knockdown fee, then. You've got a young player there who's obviously fell out, you would say, at Arsenal and 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 and, and has said a few wrong things to a few players, etc. But he he's a he's a decent player, more than decent midfielder. And if he was to turn up at Leicester for a knockdown fifteen million, ten million, whatever, then then great. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. I've also got Osun uh, Edson Edward written down as well and again he scored that hat-trick in the first game of the season which probably puts a few uh, a few more uh, quid on his head but uh, but anyone else that you've got uh, possibly well when I was going through it and I picked those three positions they were the top three positions that I think we need to add quality personnel the fourth position if if you'd let me pick four I would have said central midfield um, and somebody with a bit more energy to get up and down play properly box to box Um and I wrote down William Carvalho because, you know, we've been linked with him previously. But then when I was also sort of seeing if there were anybody in the relegated teams that that would add something to our club, then Abdoulaye Dekore from, from Watford, I think, would would be a, a decent sign. He's physically he's very good. Technically, he's pretty sound. And he can play anywhere within central midfield, really. He was playing pretty much as a number 10 under Nigel Pearson for Watford in um, since restart. So... Somebody like that to add a bit of steel to our centre midfield would, I think, be um, be very good. And, you know, somebody like Carvalho has got European experience. Decore, I don't think, will be at Watford. I think he is at the stage of his career where there are teams that are interested. And I think he'll be playing Premier League football next season. So if that's with us, then great. I think you throw in Saar as well at Watford. I'd, I'd think with Saar, and they were signed for big money, so... They're not going to let him go for less than thirty million quid, and and Decore, I'm a big fan of Decore. I I just wonder with his position at Leicester, would he be there instead of a Yuri Tillemans? Probably not, and and it's the position wise. But again, a, a more than capable player on his day. But you look to next season, Robin. They're moving to the new training ground shortly, and hopefully, as the email mentioned at the start that that might change the attitude and, and turn us into a, a a winning side or at least a side that gets to a at least a final because we've got those three competitions that we can realistically win we know that Brendan Rodgers takes the cup seriously and hopefully that happens next season there's going to be a lot of football played over a very short period of time with the cup competitions and the traveling with the Europa League it means that Leicester are pretty much going to be playing Saturday or Sunday Thursday pretty much all season 
And those dates that we need for the Europa League, Rob, the 2nd of October is when the draw is going to be made. The group stage starts on the 20th of October. We'll just put to one side the whole travelling to away games and all that because I'd imagine it's not going to take place or if it does, it will take place in countries where you're able to and who knows what uh, the situation's going to be like then. I'd imagine here it won't be the case. And we're going to be in pot three of four. We're going to be ranked third. So we're going to be in amongst some decent sides and I've listed a few down, the likes of Napoli, Roma, Villarreal, Sporting Lisbon, PSV, Wolfsburg, for example, uh, to name a few. We could be playing their pot one and pot two teams. So it's exciting. It really is. Yes, it's not Champions League, but we'll forget that for now because we've not qualified for it. And I'm looking forward to that draw. I want to know who we're going to be playing against. And also, I want to know if I can go. Yeah, it's it's now now the dust has settled a little bit on the on the previous season. The fact that we have got a European competition to look forward to, the fact that we're going to be playing probably some teams that we've never played before, um, that you've only ever seen in the Europa League or possibly even the Champions League. Some of those teams that you've mentioned there, it, it is very exciting, and it will be something that we enjoy looking forward to in a little bit more detail once the draw is made, and also as we get closer to the start of the new season, we'll do a, a more in depth preview this is a sort of more of a who could we and couldn't we sign kind of conversation whereas we'll we'll look at previewing the season in more detail and it'll be it's going to be a very exciting one there are going to be new players Leicester are going to be in a new training ground we've got a new competition to look forward to competing in and yes there is still the unknown about spectators and, and all that kind of thing but look football is I don't think is going anywhere I think it's it's restarted and it, it will continue in, in, in this fashion at, at, at least because it's proven to to be sort of COVID compliant in this and all the precautions that are in place for players to play. So let's just look forward to it. We've got a lot to look forward to, a lot of games next year to enjoy um, and hopefully it will be uh, another exciting season for us. And there's one thing we haven't mentioned, um, VAR. <laughs> and... Yes, we're going to have a quick chat, VAR. What would you do with VAR, Rob? Because I think if you had to grade it, and this is a, obviously a question for you then, Rob, like grading papers, etc. If you had to grade VAR, what would you give VAR for this season? If we're going similar to the players out of 10, um, sometimes it spotted some clear and obvious errors. So you've got to say, well, okay, that's doing its job. That's 10 out of 10. Sometimes some of the offsides have been a bit... Well, they've not been inaccurate, but they've been very unnecessarily detailed, I guess. But to the letter of the law, they've been they've been necessary. So I, I, I really don't know. I'm going to give it, I don't know. A six or a seven, because it's done a decent job in many cases, but there is still a lot of room for improvement. I mean, looking at what the what it can and can't approach. For example, if you if you take the FA Cup final a couple of days ago, the the second yellow card for the sending off it was but never a yellow card. But the problem is because the referee showed the yellow and then the red, that the challenge was deemed a yellow card and VAR can't touch yellow card offences. But 
if yellow cards add up to red cards, then surely they, in that instance, they have as much impact on the game as a red card. So, but but then you you open a can of worms there because you'd then say, well, they've got to look at every yellow card because if that then does go on to contribute to two yellows performing a red card, why should it only be the second yellow that's looked at? And then you'd have VAR stopping for every yellow card the referee issues. And one of the complaints about it has been the the way that it stopped matches for too long, really, um, in certain circumstances. So it is a really tricky one and I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think that they're going to have spent this much money on it and trialled it on this kind of level and get rid of it next season. I think it'll still be with us. Uh, Obviously, they'll work hard on potential tweaks to improve the system. But can it look at every single yellow card? I don't think so because you lose. You've already lost a little bit of 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 football this season in terms of goal celebrations. Are a little bit more muted in many cases. So if you start stopping for every yellow card, the game's just going to become like American football, where the ball's in play for what ten twenty seconds max, and then all of a sudden everybody's stopping again. And I find American football painful to watch. So I, I I would find, and, and I don't like the sport to start with, whereas football, I would probably find it even more painful if it became more stop-start because it's dramatically altering the game that we enjoy as being fast-paced and free-flowing. See, I've, I've got written down VAR, um, not fit for purpose, essentially. I think if you look at the whole season and what it was introduced for, and the outcomes, I think it's just not fit at all. And I would completely scrap it because, and people might go, ah, you're overreacting here. It's not fit for purpose. One thing, certainly, which is not VAR's fault, is the rules of the game. How we started this season with VAR not being allowed to overturn certain things, not being able to look at certain things because it wasn't in the rules. It's not what it's there for. A prime example is the ghost goal Sheffield United Villa, where VAR clearly sees it, or the assist the, the referees in the VAR truck at Stockley Park, which I'll come on to in a second, they can see clearly it's gone in, but they can't tell the referee because they're not, it's not in the rules and they can't override Hawkeye, which obviously went wrong. And that was just unfortunate because Hawkeye's proved to be exceptional and it went wrong on that occasion. But back to VAR, my first point of court, why there is, and this is just a cheap option, there is one place where a group of referees are sit playing solitaire and Tetris and all of a sudden get called on. There was that three games in one day, only a few weeks ago, where there was an absolute ricket made in every one of those three games. And you had to question, who's there today? I know there's been plenty of football played since the lockdown, but what was going on? It's it's not fit for purpose. I think it's lazy. I think it's slow. I think it's terrible for fans who actually are inside the ground. I have no idea why the VAR referees are not inside the ground watching, two or three of them, one of them watching replays and and live action, one of them overviewing and in constant communication with the referee like a fourth official should be. But they're up in the stands. So they're constantly talking to the referee saying, oh, by the way, there's going to be a sub and all this behind you. 
Uh, Harry Maguire's just elbowed Jamie Vardy. It's a red card. Whilst the game's gone on, whilst there's no stop for VAR, VAR is a constant thing that's happening in the background. And they're making decisions that the referee can't see and telling the referee what the answer is. And if they need a discussion, then he can see it on the screen as well. They shouldn't stop the game and then go, oh, stop your pot, put your coffees down and take a look at the replays. It's who thought of that? Who thought of that idea? What a crazy notion. And straight away, it proved to be completely bonkers if you think about it now. If you take an objective look back and, and, and stand there and go, actually, this is mad. What are we doing? Now, the offsides is a completely different argument for me because he's either offside or not. If, if it is his toenail, it's still his toenail. And if the rules are going to go down that route, then then there you go. That's That's a different argument. But the rest of it, not fit for purpose. Too many mistakes. We've been in the un- on the end of a few. The likes of a handball in an F- in a League Cup semi final that they look at the wrong handball because they're not in the ground. They're they're in a in a bunker in Stockley Pot miles away from from the ground. They're not sure what they're doing. They asked the referee which handball was that. What he didn't he didn't see it properly because again there could be five or six players running in front of him. It's not fit for purpose, and I would bin it straight away. If they're going to keep it for offsides, keep it for offsides, okay? And if you're going to keep it for goal line technology, i.e. Hawkeye stays, no problem, and I think it should. And if you want VAR to check absolute stone-cold errors, so there is, look, there's been a punch-up, I haven't seen it, can you take a look? Not anything else, then okay. But at the moment... It's not fit for purpose. Scrap it. And if you're inside the stadium, and I know many people who listen to this podcast are maybe not in a position to go and watch Leicester or or watch Premier League football, maybe because of where they live, etc., or for whatever reason, and they wouldn't understand how absolutely painful it is and ridiculous. You're in the ground laughing, openly laughing, and I think the referees are laughing, and I think the pro uh, the Premier League players are laughing at it, going. What is this? This is absolutely ludicrous. And so not fit for purpose. Scrap it until you can have people inside every single stadium in the Premier League on a match day, just like Sky have, just like BT have. And they're sat there, constant communication with the referee, talking about all sorts, maybe how long to go, injury time, etc. Once that's in place, then you can go ahead with it. But until then, bin it. It wouldn't be an episode of For Fuck's Sake, despite the fact that it's an end-of-season review, without a rant from Pete Selby. And there it is, folks. If you've been waiting for it you and you've got through to the end of part two, then first of all, bless you, because we've got on a bit. But we've finished with a Pete Selby rant. And, you know, there's no better way to, to finish a For Fuck's Sake episode than with a Pete Selby VAR rant. Unfortunately, Pete, I think it's still going to be there next season. But that is for next season. Oh no! Yeah, that that's that's just that's just me. That's what I think. I think a lot of people will probably agree as well. I I just think it's not. It's just not working. And if it's it doesn't have to be one hundred percent. It can have the odd one decision where you think actually, uh, yeah, I can see fifty fifty. But they've gone with that decision. Okay, but to make so many mistakes and people say, oh, it's a, the first year. Nah, not fit for purpose. Go away, think about it, come back again with a better idea that actually might cost a lot more money. I think they've just taken a real cheap option with it. 
and um, and there we go. Because they could maybe fit it in with other grounds around the country, other leagues, but it's just not worked out in there, been it? Um, also, the five subs as well. What's that about? That needs to be scrapped. Go back to three. It's not going to be the case, and we're going to have to really work on how we can maximise that because I think we've been caught wanting on a couple of occasions. But uh, but there we go. That is the podcast. That's the end of this season. Uh, another season, as you mentioned, Rob, at the start, five years, over five years now, we've been doing this podcast. And we've had a few discussions about how we can bring this uh, podcast uh, forward, how we can take it forward, or if we need to. So we're going to be carried on. Don't worry about that. But in, in in what sense? Are we going to carry on as we go at the moment? So we pod when we can and we take a, a step back look at what's going on at Leicester and what's happened and a look forward. Do we slightly change it up and have a more regimented approach with certain episodes coming out on certain days and are based around maybe a, a review show and a preview show? Um do we try and get obviously that would mean other people coming onto the podcast because we would not be able to give up that much amount of time because of the way that we work as well with me with broadcasting different hours of the day and and yourself obviously with uh, with your job rob it's uh, it, it's not maybe suited to that so maybe you can do one of those two uh, there's plenty out there and and i've got ideas rob's got ideas but the main thing is you've got ideas you listen to this show so if you have any idea, now this could be a crazy idea. Yeah, I tell you what, I would love them to, you know, talk about the different footballs that I use, or, or what about so and so, or I think, how about getting so and so on? Whatever idea it is, crazy, boring, completely radical, and changing it, saying actually, what would be nice if Rob and Pete didn't do it? Send it in, okay? You can tweet us at FFS Pod. And on there, you can find our own individual Twitter handles as well. You can email us, which is probably the best option for this. For fox8podcast at gmail.com is the email address. And again, thanks to those people who have emailed in one or two, uh, just saying about how nice it has been for for the season and tweeted in saying, uh, you know, thanks for the podcast. Also, uh, John Towers, who we mentioned earlier on in his email, was really nice. So thanks for the emails. Email in any suggestion you have, even if it's along the lines of this other podcast, maybe not a Leicester one, for example, but they've gone down this route, etc., etc. That's great. We would like that. Um, any ideas for next season? We've done the Fancy Premier League, and uh, just to go back to the Fancy Premier League, we mentioned at the beginning, and I've, and I've emailed the club, and I've tried to get some, some bits and bobs from the football club in terms of prizes. So uh, hold on, don't uh, don't panic straight away, Ben Melbourne, the winner of the uh, the winner of the league. We'll try and sort something out. Again, if we can't, we can't. Unfortunately, it's the way it is. But anything like that, fancy football wise, or You'd maybe want player ratings next season or the three-word reviews to, to to really hit home or something else. Anything at all, no matter how crazy, send it in and we'll take a look and we'll hopefully include it next year. Anything else at all, Rob? I don't think so, no. I think that's a pretty comprehensive couple of episodes. I think it is. Facebook as well, which is uh, arguably, actually, along with Twitter, the best way of getting hold of us. But all three, Facebook... Twitter and also the emails they come straight through to us uh, on our phones basically so we get to see them and we will be back Rob um in a few weeks time we're obviously going to have a little break because it's the summer and all the players are off abroad you've been away and um you're going to be peeling for the next uh, 
week or so, I'd imagine. And um, and we'll be back before the season starts. I'd imagine we'll have kind of a catch-up show. If there's any major signings, then I'm sure we'll just drop in with a, a 20-minute uh, kind of rant about whether it's a decent signing or how much we've uh, always rated player X. And, uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back next season for uh, our sixth year covering Leicester City. So my final thanks goes to you, Rob. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Thank you too. It's it's not been a chore, most of it. Always a pleasure, Rob. Never a chore. And for the final time this season, and as always, up the city. <laughs>